1: This church is here, dear heart, because it is to be a hospital for sinners and for saints alike who can come to Christ and grow in Christ and help people find Christ. That is Pastor Michael tanko and this is Reaching
2: Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenco is entitled, The Carried Prayer. That's The Carried Prayer. And you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: Dear Father God, we are grateful today for Jesus, whose voice is like the sound of many waters, and yet there is no echo that disturbs. There is no shrill that takes away from the thrill of knowing you. Grant us, Lord, in our journey, the ability to appreciate every piece of it, the pieces that would normally make us nervous, to realize it's part of the history, what it means to walk in your path. In Jesus' name, amen. Benti, Benti Jua lived in a prison of sorts, and she was a mother who carried her 17-month-old child in her arms inside of what seemed to be a very secure prison. Benty had raised her child herself in prison and she carried her child as a good mother should. A good mom she was. Not the kind of prisons that people avoid. No, it was not that kind at all. It was the kind of prison people visit so they can stay there and they can see what's on the inside. It was open for all to see. The kind of prison in which people look at you and they point their finger at you and they make faces at you and they celebrate the fact that you are behind bars and they are not and they bring their kids back and back again to see you in prison. It was a zoo. And Benti was a gorilla in the Cincinnati Zoo. You know, sometimes people measure people by who they are in light of who they think they should be and who they think they themselves are, and thus confusion occurs. We all look through a glass at others. We all look into the zoo of someone else's life because given the right circumstances, your life is chaotic at some particular period in your existence. And sometimes people size others up as they gaze at you. Have you ever had someone look at you and size you up and you just felt awful after they did it? few of you have yeah you know maybe they size you up by how much money you have how much education you have by your race or the color of your skin or what they think it must be like to be you and what you should be and thus the judgment comes through the window of the zoo and so at times we live lonely lives running from those who scare us and hiding from those who evoke the worst kind of fears in us we humans have innate fears that are part of a universal psyche, a universal consciousness that has the thrill of fear in the gene. We are afraid of snakes. Anybody here afraid of snakes? Afraid of spiders. You ever get bit by a spider? My brother got bit by a brown recluse. It ate a hole in him. A spider is an awful thing. Afraid of lions. Now I knew an evangelist by the name of Dan who stuck his hand in a lion's mouth at the zoo. And he almost lost his hand. And the way he got it out was he shoved it deeper in, made the lion choke and yanked it out, but he has a scratch, a permanent scar on his hand. Why he was doing that I'll never figure out. These evangelists can really push the envelope at times. And then there are tigers. Anybody afraid of tigers? Well, if you get close enough, you will be. Polar bears. A few people too. You know, sometimes like a, a child looks at me the wrong way. I get afraid of the wrong stare that a child can have. You know, whether they deserve it or not, people make us afraid sometimes. Since the movie King Kong, Hollywood introduced us to the gorilla that roared like a lion. Who ever heard of a gorilla roaring like a lion? On the silver screen. And so ever after, people are afraid of gorillas too. I've been to the zoo and I've watched those great, furry, powerful creatures that look a little human until some human on my side of the glass provokes them and makes them mad by making faces at them. you ever gone to the zoo and made a face at a gorilla? I've been to the zoo, I've watched people do that, and I've watched the response of a gorilla who has a sense of dignity slam his body against the glass and go, because he was offended by you not honoring the fact that in some way he's a creature too. I've seen those big burly gorillas surprise us all with anger that's not human. And so Benti had seen plenty of humans like this, In her stay at the zoo, she was a mother watching her little one that was wrapped around her waist, and she owed them nothing really as she was trying to get through her life on scripted terms. One day, the world stood in awe as Benti became the focus of a scene that spoke volumes to the world of humans. It was August 19, 1996, and a little boy strayed from his mother at the Cincinnati Zoo, and he went right into the gorilla lowland exhibit, got over the barrier, was looking down at the gorillas, and suddenly everybody was looking at him. And before they knew it, he fell into the gorilla cage. And now, with everyone's heart, no one was making faces at gorillas. Everyone was hushed. There was a quiet... Now we saw recently, this happened in more recent terms, they had to shoot the gorilla to save the boy. That was not the case here. So suddenly the unnamed mother's boy was on the other side of the glass and no one was making faces at the gorilla. After his fall, the boy had broken his hand. He was scarred. He was traumatized. He was lying on the ground. The cage was full of gorillas. He was scared of the fury of the creatures that could slam themselves against the glass and take you out in a moment. It could crack your skull like a coconut in its hand. It was just then that Benty, with her little gorilla child wrapped around her waist, went to that little boy. And before any of the other gorillas could get to him, she picked him up like a loving mother would and should, and she carried the boy tenderly to the door so the zookeepers could take him to safety. Diane Sawyer on ABC News would comment that day that Binti had been abandoned when she was a baby gorilla by her mother. She had been raised by humans. She had been taught human love. And so that day she returned the gift of love to those that gave her to her. She showed that she understood. Kindness begets kindness. Love begets love. And so we saw it there that day. Binti will always be remembered as the gorilla who carried the little boy to safety. Now, friend, in the Bible, this marvelous book that God has given us that is not the Word of man, it is the Word of God. In the Bible, we worship God as a parent. We find an unusual God who is also our friend, who bridges the gap between our deepest need and His highest heaven. We find a God who carries His people to safety. We worship the God who carries. Now, this truth is introduced early in the Scripture. You know, I don't know about you, I like driving vehicles that carry me well. Like a little fast at times. How I many of you think that God Himself likes to kind of, you know, get from A to B in a slow kind of way? Do you know that God has a hot rod? Did you know that? Daniel 7, it says His wheels were burning fire. And a river of fire issued and came forth before Him. I mean, He rides His chariot like it's a hot rod and it leaves this jet stream of rocket fuel behind it as he gets from A to B because God wants to be where he needs to be on time and maybe a little early. In fact, he's always there when we need him. But more than this, his chariot is big enough to carry us. We worship a God who carries his people. Friend, when you cannot come to God, when you cannot reach God, when you cannot extract yourself from trouble, we worship a God who carries his people to himself. When God spoke to Moses and Mount Sinai, after his mighty defeating the Egyptians. In the book of Exodus, he said in Exodus 19, 4, look at the verse with me. You, Moses, have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Moses remembered it 40 years later. Deuteronomy 33, verse 26. There is none like God, O Jeshruin, who rides through the heavens to your help and in His majesty through the skies. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. God moves, God comes, God cares. Carries, the everlasting arms bring us to Him. That's what it's saying. So it's no small matter that we worship a God who carries us. Looking back through the centuries and all the conflicts that Israel had with those who would destroy them, the Gospel prophet describes this statement about the preexistent Christ because in a real sense, God's power to carry is embedded in the person of Jesus Christ in our lives. Isaiah 63.9 this is one of my favorite passages in the entire Old Testament. Have you had trouble this week? Anybody had trouble? I had a lot of trouble. The Lord got me through it. In fact, I feel good about the outcome. Are you still in your trouble? A little bit? Now look at the verse. In all of their affliction, what does it say? He was afflicted. Now this is Christ it's speaking of. And the angel of His presence did what? Save them. In His love and in His pity, what did He do? He redeemed them. So the angel that is in fact God's presence redeemed them. And then it says He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. So how does God carry His people? How does He lift them up when they can't lift themselves up? Friends, there are times in church when the church and people in it carry the burdens of some people who are plenty able of carrying their own burdens. Did you hear me? I've seen it. Pastor, I need help. And then they really don't need help. They want attention, right? And then when the real help needs to occur, they're not to be found.
2: You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again.
1: I'm telling you When I read the Bible, I see the early church as an actively engaged church that was not looking for ways to get out of work, but looking for ways to do the work of God on earth. And friend, it is not the place of the church to lift the burdens from the lazy. People come to church who want the church to meet all of their needs. The church was not established by Jesus Christ to meet your needs. The church was established for the salvation of souls on earth. So this church isn't here, so you can come and have a great worship experience and everything work for you. If that's your attitude, it's an unconverted mindset. This church is here, dear heart, because it is to be a hospital for sinners. And for saints alike who can come to Christ and grow in Christ and help people find Christ. And so the church doesn't need to bear burdens for people who should be carrying their own burdens. Now, let's make it a little closer. There are church members here. People and they say, well, I need help. And we find burden bearers around here who are bearing burdens that should be shared burdens, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something that may surprise you. We have the final message for human history. We're the remnant church of the apocalypse. You hear me? But we can learn from godly people who are more fervent than we are because we are also the Laodicean church at this time of earth's history. There's no reason why we cannot put our best energy into this and to make it happen. I and mean, Some of you are tired because of the journey we've had in building our church, right? It kind of wear you down. But you'd be surprised. People get tired who did nothing sometimes. Right? They're tired because of the change. Change should not make you tired. Change is the way the Lord works when He grows us and we come into Him. So we are not to be burden bearers for those who can bear burdens. We are to carry our own burden for the glory of the Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I am very grateful that the Lord places things on me that are bigger than me. You know why? It helps us to grow in character. It helps us to rely on Him. It also helps us to realize that we are not the center of the universe. We need the power of God in our life. So God calls on us to bear the burdens of people, but in a very qualified sense. You see, there are broken people. There are, in fact, people who feel that they are overcome with sin. And those people will never get out of their situation unless someone bears their burden. So there is a place for bearing burdens, but not bearing burdens for the lazy and the unfocused. Look at Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Brethren, Paul says... If a man is overtaken in any trespass... So what's the context? Who's he talking about here? Someone who is overcome with a sin in their life. Overcome means you're powerless. You don't know how to deal with it. You feel overwhelmed by it. He says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Look to yourself lest you too be tempted. And then that's the context. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Why is the law of Christ to bear the burden? Because we worship a Savior who is forgiving, a Savior who loves us, who wants to restore us when we have lost our strength. That is the time for a burden bearer to step in. We worship a God who carries us. In the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ is introduced as the mighty angel of the Lord who carries the prayers of God's people into the presence of God. Turn with me to Revelation 8, verse 2. Very often we think of the book of Revelation. People say, well, you know, it's just about future events and so on. The book of Revelation is full of spiritual teachings that help us to stay close with Christ in every time, especially the last day. Verse 2. The Bible says, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Does anybody here play the trumpet? No trumpet players at reaching hearts. You have a shofar horn. We've blown the shofar here. We've got to have trumpet lessons at reaching hearts. Seven trumpets were given to them. Now look at verse 3. This is the key verse. Another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. Now, you need to notice here, the altar is not the golden altar. It stands at the altar with the golden censer. That would be the altar in the outer court of the Hebrew sanctuary. And he was given much incense to mingle, key word, to mingle with the prayers of all the saints where? Upon the golden altar before the throne. So there's a movement from the altar in the outer court where prayer is given, where it's mingled, the incense occurs, and then that angel carries it into the sanctuary, into the holy place, to the golden altar before the ark of God. So there's a movement from earth to heaven because the altar here represents the outer court. From earth to heaven, this angel carries our prayers to God. Now verse 4, and the smoke of the incense rose with the prayers of the saints from the hand of the angel before God. So the the whole point here is that prayers don't stay here. Prayers are not locked down on earth. Prayers move from earth to heaven. They are carried prayers into the presence of God. So this mighty angel is here pictured as the one mediator between God and man. The one who can carry those prayers into the presence of God. The Apostle Paul left no doubt who this mediator is. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. And who is He? What? What? The man Christ Jesus. I tell you, I need a mediator when I'm in trouble. I need a mediator when I've been indicted by evil. There is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Verse 6. Who gave Himself as a ransom for the elect. Does it say that? Do you have your Bible open? Now I'm going to tell you right now. You need to open those Bibles. I'm going to be very direct with you here. I'm going to quit using slides if you don't open your Bibles and use them. We are a Bible-believing people in this place. That's to help, not to make it easy for you not to interact with your Bible. What does it say in your Bible? There's one God, what? And there's one mediator between God and man. And what's His name in your Bible? The man Christ Jesus. And what did He do in verse 6? Who gave Himself as a ransom for the elect. Does it say the elect there? For all. The testimony which was born at what time? The proper time. Look, it all came together in Jesus. One man stood for every man. One man was there. Our Bibles point to Christ as the mediator between God and man. He is the only attorney that can get you off of the hook in the judgment day. And he's a good lawyer. God gave Christ, dear heart, so God could get us back to God. It took God to do it in Christ. And no one can stand before God in our place but Jesus Christ who is God, and us too in a way, it is not good to be comfortable sitting in a pew not engaging with the Word of God on Saturday morning. Are you hear me? We are Bible-believing Christians. God gave Christ so God could get us back to God. In Isaiah 63, 9, Jesus is identified as the angel of God's presence who carried and redeemed His people all the days of old. Now, how can you be an angel in God too? Well, you can be because the word angel in Hebrew means a messenger. The messenger who comes from God at the deepest level is God. In Malachi 3.1, Christ was identified as the angel of the covenant, the mighty messenger of God's covenant that will come to purify the sons of Levi and to save the world. God's covenant is in Jesus because God's covenant, God's law, God's name, God's character is what Jesus is about. He is the revelation of the unseen God. And when Jacob was about to bless Ephraim and Manasseh, Jacob was dying. He was leaning on his staff in his bed. He began to bless his children and he thought of Joseph, his son, and then his two children, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he blessed them. And he recalled the angel of the covenant that had redeemed him from all of his trouble that he had fought at the river Jabbok. And he says this in Genesis forty-eight fifteen, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has led me all my life to this day. And then verse 16, In your Bibles, what does it say? What does it say in your Bibles? You're looking at verse 16, Genesis 48. The angel who has redeemed me from all my evil, bless the lads. And notice what he says. The God, the God, and then he says the angel. So this angel is not an angel exactly. This angel is the God that had saved him from all this trouble. You see, there are times in life when it's not good enough to have God up there. God has to come down here and find us and meet us where we live. And thus God becomes His own messenger. And the messenger of the covenant, the angel that redeems us, is the pre-existent Christ who is eternal God Himself. Some people get the idea because God uses this figure of an angel to describe Christ in the Old Testament that somehow He's a created being. This is not the truth. He is an uncreated, eternal being who took angel form to reach us in the Old Testament. And thus the identity of this angel in Revelation 8 too is set in the context of the Old Testament Redeemer, angel of the Lord, the angel of the covenant who carries God's people in every age as God. And so the book of Revelation does not abandon this picture. It applies it in Revelation 8 to Jesus Christ and His work in the heavenly sanctuary for us. In the Old Testament, Jesus, who was fully God without a beginning, functioned as the guardian angel of the Jewish people. John 1:10, you read the verse... John writes that Christ was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. And then he makes an amazing statement. He came to his own people. The Jewish people were his. He was the guardian protector of the Jewish people. And so in the book of Revelation, Revelation eight three, we see Jesus Christ in angel form at the altar of sacrifice. Now think about it. When we see in the New Testament Christ being born, we think of a little baby in Bethlehem's manger, right? little baby, born in Bethlehem's manger, grows up to be a man, and as a man he dies for the sins of the world. The fact is, Christ has three natures. Are you with me? Based on Revelation 22.16, He says, I am the bright and morning star, the root and offspring of David. Now, why would He say that? Number one, a star is symbolic of an angel in the Old Testament. He is the angel of the Lord. But he says, I am the root, the source of David's line. That makes him God. You can't create unless you're God. And then he says, I'm the seed of David. Christ is human. Christ had a preexistent nature that resembled angel form. And when you go further back, He is eternal God without beginning. He is the Ancient of Days like God His Father. All three natures were manifested. Two were hidden, one was not. We saw Him in human form. But He was still the great guardian protector of God's people that had been the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. He was simply veiled as a human being. And so when Christ came to the altar, all three natures were somehow blended together in such a way that the fully divine God who had taken the form of the great archangel, protector in the Old Testament, was now in human frailty at the altar, dying for the sins of the world. What is He doing there? Friend, He is dying for our sins on our plane as a human being. He is praying for us on the level ground we live on. He is struggling for us right here in the outer court on earth. You know, the altar of the outer court was bronze. The earth is bronze. He died on the earth for us. The text says there was much incense given to the angel at the altar. Now, incense represents prayer. There it was mingled. The key word is mingled in Revelation eight three. It was mingled with the prayers of the saints to be carried to the golden altar that is before God in heaven. Dear heart, have you ever prayed a prayer you really felt good about? You prayed it and you felt like God was hearing that prayer and you could just feel His presence? You ever pray a prayer like that? Now, let's go to the other poll. You ever pray a prayer you just felt as an awful prayer? You know, went up, bounced back, you know, like a ping pong, didn't go up. You felt like you were sullied. You felt like your sins were just messing it up and gumming it up, right? Now, it wasn't the perfect prayers only that ended up in Jesus' lap that day. Every prayer prayed in sincerity, whether it be a messed up prayer or a great prayer, was placed, was mingled with him from Gethsemane to the cross so that he was able to embrace the collective consciousness of the human race from Adam to the end. And that puts you in the mix. You're part of what was mingled there at the altar. And friend, if you're struggling with evil in your life, if you're struggling with sin in your life and you don't know how to pick yourself up, you feel the repetitive power of evil, then you on your knees with a prayer that's imperfect, that prayer in faith can mingle with what happened at the cross of Calvary. Because God didn't ignore any of those prayers. They were given to the angel. Look at verse 3 again. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to mingle with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar before the throne friend here's the point when christ began to feel the sins of the world he began to pray for us one person at a time from adam to the end and there's not a part of your life he did not embrace with his prayer for you Thanks for
2: listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenco. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching yourheart.com 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.